0: Yo, this is P-Town's finest, representing the N.E.P., D. and y'all know what we talking about. the hardcore
1: Hi, this is C.J. McCullum, and you're listening to the RIP City. Hold on. I'm not promoting someone
0: else's podcast. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another edition of the RIP City Report. I'm Joe Free, of the Oregonian. He's Casey Holdolf of Trailblazers.com. Hi Joe. Hi hey everybody. What's up, Case? Not much. How you doing? You're getting right down to business today. Yeah, I uh, I
1: feel like shows where it's I'd say we're maybe a little lean today. Um, and those are the ones I really like to just, just get, get straight right to. Into it. The exactly. Like I don't I don't want to waste people's time with a lot of crosstalk and then get to the show, which is probably a little uh again, I mean the Blazers have only played two games. since the All Star Break. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot to take away from those two games, so you know, it's uh so, I don't want to waste people's time if we're not going to give them the, the real good stuff. The so end. I was at
0: Fred Meyer yesterday. No. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm kidding. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I am going to Fred Meyer after the show today. I need to get stuff for dinner tonight. Oh, good. So there you go. I did go shopping yesterday, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's Monday, February 24th. Uh, he's Casey Holdall. You can follow him on Twitter, at Seahold. I'm Joe Freeman. You can follow me on Twitter, at Blazer Freeman. And, of course, I don't know why I got in that. I think I broke the chain there. I, I, I think I went out of order of how I'm supposed to do things. Oh nuts. Yeah. We we're already getting off on the wrong foot.
1: That's okay. Yeah,
0: just gotta mix it up. Yeah, maybe tangent. we should go off on some random tangent now.
1: Uh, I don't. Ha- I don't have one Need locked and loaded I... though. I'm, I'm
0: not just gonna. I'm gonna create a complaint out of uh, out of thin nothing. air.
1: Yeah, I I do that all the time. But, maybe uh, it's just the like
0: the the all star break is is kind of we're, we're easing out of the all star break. That might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh. No practice the last two days. No practice.
1: Off days either. That. That's. Uh, that's. That sucked some of the uh, the life out the of steam. my out of my post All Star uh, game break enthusiasm. Just haven't had a chance to really get into the uh, into, into the, the players just yet. Yeah, and, and into the flow too, which is why I'm actually uh, I wouldn't say I'm I don't know if I'm say I'm looking forward to this road trip, but I'm interested in this road trip. Like I, I'm I'm one I'm I'm curious to see how the how the team does, uh, and I'm just getting back on the road and and maybe kind of getting back in front of some of the players in a. In an environment uh, that we really haven't had them in for at least for me for a couple weeks now, um, so I'm uh, again I don't know I'd say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm I'm intrigued
0: by it. Well, it definitely is. Uh, I mean, a potentially important road trip. The Blazers Absolutely. host the Celtics tomorrow night on Tuesday, and then they leave for a three game trip at Indiana at Atlanta and at Orlando. So not a, necessarily a difficult trip, per se, but uh, Orlando is always sneaky good and always sneaky tough for the Blazers. That's at the last game of the trip, and then and in Indy, of course, will be will be a tough matchup. They're relatively healthy now, too.
1: And I, I think we're probably going to talk about it here, but at this point, without Damien, like, I don't— I mean, every every game is hard for the Blazers. Like, they, they just don't have the, the personnel right now to have any game where it feels like, no, no, this— We'll get this one. Like So the game against the Hawks, game against, as you mentioned, the Magic. Like Those are all going to be really, really tough game for the Blazers, assuming that Daming doesn't come back.
0: Uh, well, the Blazers are 26-32. and 32, And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is February 24th. Uh, I told you how to follow us on Twitter. Also, check out our stories. You can see Casey's at blazers.com forward center. And you can read mine and my colleagues at organlive.com slash blazers. And if you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that's great. Give us a review. Give us all your five-star reviews. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. A few news and notes before we get knee-deep here. Blazers earned their first win since the All-Star break on Sunday night, beating the Detroit Pistons 107-104 to at the Moda Center. C.J. McCollum went ham, finished with 41 points, 12 assists, and 9 rebounds. It was a season-high in points and a career-high in assists. Almost had his second-career triple-double. It was nine rebounds, wasn't it? It was. You're okay. correct, Joe. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony added 32 points. It was the first time he scored 30 or more since February of 2017. So uh, a vintage performance for one Mellow, very much, and on a, a great percentage as well. So yeah, very, and nice he job, uh, he had arguably well not the biggest, but one of the biggest shots hitting that uh, deep two to pretty much ice the game there in the in the in the Huge final shot. minute. Yep. Yeah. Back to McCollum, it was his sixth 40th point game and eighth double-double of his career. So uh, a really, really important performance for him. He was what I, well, we'll get more into him later. Uh, Blazers play one more home game again tomorrow against the Celtics. Always a popular game. A lot of green in that, uh, in that arena for that, for that game. I respect the uh, Celtics national brand and then uh, do leave for that three game East coast trip. Uh, More important for the here and now, Damian Lillard missed his second consecutive game with a strained groin and he's expected to miss at least three more games a uh, few more things here. Let's get first into a standings update. Your Blazers sit in ninth place in the Western Conference at 26 and 32. They're 3 games back of Memphis, which is an even 500 at 28 and 28. Memphis coincidentally has opened the uh, post-All-Star break schedule with a pair of losses. And they're missing Jaron Jackson Jr. for a couple weeks as well, so that's uh, that's tough for them. It is. I'll tell you who's almost more important for the Blazers is the Pelicans, who have swept them this season and hard charging right now. Pelicans, 10th place in the West at... Uh, a half game back of the Blazers 25 and 32 of course they came in and and punked the Blazers the other night at the Moda Center Um, and then the Spurs are starting to fade a little bit I thought they were catching some steam but maybe not they are four games back a full game back of the Blazers at 24 and 32 so that's kind of your playoff cluster of teams there I think you can legitimately say they're the ones fighting for that eighth seed. I think you could take it
1: all the way down to the Suns, too. I mean, the Blazers are closer to the Suns in 13th place than they are to the Grizzlies in eighth place. So. I guess
0: my only question is, do you believe in the Suns?
1: Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, do I do I think the Suns are going to make the the postseason? No, I don't. But do but right I there, you think mean? that they might pass the Trail Blazers if the Trail Blazers
0: don't put something together? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. Okay, well, here we go just for you. Uh, well, now, wait a minute, though. The, the Suns are behind the Kings. We're not doing that. We're done. All I'm, I'm saying, cutting saying is it off there.
1: if you're closer to the teams behind you than you are to the, the team in front of you, then what
0: does that say about that race and where you're at? That's well, all. It says a lot. I agree with that. Uh, real quick uh, schedule breakdown update. 24 games left now. 11 against winning teams. 13 at home. 11 on the road. Still have those Grizzlies twice. Yes, they do. And when do they, when, when they have the next
1: game against the Grizzlies? Is it soon? They're both or... late. So the next one is on March 12th. Yeah, you would figure that Jaron Jackson will be back by then. So the Blazers will definitely not uh not, not get any benefit of that. And will any injured Blazers be back by then? You would assume Damian would. Boy, if, if Damian's not back by then, the season's over. Uh, But will either Nurkic or Collins? Uh,
0: yeah, TBD. Know. TBD. Speaking of which, injury watch, Nurkic who knows? My man uh, returned to full practice. It's been a while since he did that. Of course, he had the calf strain. After that, now he's sending out cryptic—was uh, it Instagram or tweet or something? I think something. it was and, on Twitter. Yeah. And then I didn't even make it. Didn't even make sense. It, uh, you click on it and nothing even happens. Yeah, I, I,
1: it was one of those where like the idea of it was someone was like, "Oh, this is cool. Look at this thing I found," and then they posted it, and I was like, but that doesn't." What? 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 Huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, have the little loading thing under it, which is kind of in so like if and then if the next day they're like, Yeah, Yusuf is is practicing again, then it's like okay. Okay, that makes sense now. But
0: uh if it's just uh I don't know. Maybe he's just looking for some attention. Uh, Zach uh, Collins, however, a little bit of an update on him. He went through a fairly rigorous on-court workout two games ago uh, with assistant coach Jim Moran. Uh, Looks pretty good. Looked pretty fluid. Worked up a pretty big sweat there. And uh, afterwards, he told my colleague Jamie Goldberg that uh, he hopes is still targeting a return from mid to late March. So that's the most concrete info we've had on that in a while, uh, which kind of refutes what uh, Neil O'Shea had said a while ago, or at least contradicts it a little bit. So well I, I there's a difference between what the what a player says and definitely. wanting to come back and what Fair. the
1: team is going to do. I mean like that, Zach might want to come back and maybe they'll play him if if he's completely cleared, but the decision on who plays ultimately comes down to Terry so. He 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 has the the final say. Does he? Well, yeah. I mean, if he plays in a game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, like, they, if if Zach gets cleared and Zach's like, hey, I want to play, and sit on the bench, that doesn't mean they're going to play him. I mean, I I don't think it would come to that. I no. think if I think if Zach is cleared, they will play him. I, I just uh, I always take a huge grain of salt when a player is talking about his return from injury because they they obviously want to come back, they want to play, but. uh and and so they're they're more likely to I think uh, be more optimistic about what those chances are than say other parties involved. That's fair.
0: I also think that they purposefully are cryptic often. That's there's at, no doubt about at that at the <laughs> behest of the organization uh, at the very least. Uh, and then an update on Dame. Uh, no real update other than he said. Obviously, we talked about this uh, the last pod that he was going to miss between three and five games. I also uh, heard, and I didn't see this broadcast. We were at the game, but. Apparently he went on perhaps an ESPN broadcast and said that he was planning on missing six games, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a little bit of a a bump up from what we had heard. And now that would make him miss the entirety of the of the next trip, which makes you kind of wonder, is he going to go on that trip? Is he going to stay back and rehab uh, or is he going to go out and get work with the team uh, while they're gone? I don't know. Uh, he wasn't, uh, he hasn't, when he doesn't play, he's sort of, go, he's gone. Yeah, he's I mean, I,
1: I think he's kind of slightly targeting the Orlando game uh, to return, but I think that's just a target. And yeah, I could very, I could see him not traveling with the team on that on that next trip. I, I think that's a, that's a very real possibility. And if he doesn't, and just assuming that if he did come back and play versus the Wizards when they come back from that trip, which they're back for one day before they, Play the, the Suns in Phoenix, and then come back for one, two, three, four, five, six, six games at home. Uh, so at that point, he would m- have missed seven games if he if he doesn't go on that road trip. Is that right? No, one, no. Two, it would... three, four, five, six. Orlando six, six isn't it? Memphis, New Orleans, Detroit. Three, four, five.
0: No, no, no. He hurt himself in Memphis. He didn't miss the Memphis. Oh, game. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, yeah. No, you're good. My bad. No, you're good. So anyway. There's the uh, injury watch. Oh, yeah. Nasir Little and uh, Mario Hazonia are are back. They're back from their injury. So we've crossed them off the injury watch. One thing you should not cross off is a visit to Tough Luck. We like going there. And matter of fact, I'm going to be there tonight. Again, it's Shuffleboard League Night. I was there last week. Your boys are two and two. Right in the middle of the pack, there. The deadline shufflers. We got to get big match tonight against, I don't know who's on the schedule, but. Uh... <laughs> do they change <clears throat> out the names? Like, do they put your team name in the no, little thing? What they do is every time we go, there's different names there, and they're completely unrelated to okay, the shuffleboard. Okay. It could be anything.
1: I, I, when I was there uh, last week, I saw that they had, yeah, two. And I didn't figure they were the team names because they were kind of weird words. Yeah, but, yeah. But I figured I would check with Joe. Yeah. because no, you, I would know. It
0: could be like Dom DeLouise and Jimmy Carter. Like, okay. it really could be anything. Sure. And usually it's. It's it's uh, in in humorous in nature. Um, But yeah, we got the shuffleboard league there tonight. Uh, So stop by and say hi if you're in the neighborhood. I I think our our match. I don't know what these these things are called. I think we go at nine or nine thirty, but we usually get there a little early to have a a cocktail or two and uh, hang out with the uh, shuffleboard league friends. But uh, I would encourage you guys to hang out there any day and every day of the week. Of course, it's got a great selection of whiskey. uh, Delightful people. Uh, Bartender Jay will be holding it down tonight. Uh, delicious food, that shuffleboard, and, of course, Blazers basketball. In fact, you should go during a Blazers game because from the opening tip to the final whistle, there might even be a little wiggle room on that uh, timeline as well. They have the, uh, the best deal in the city, Rip City Red Hot Sandwich, and any micro-brew or beer for 10 bucks. I challenge you to find a better uh, sandwich. And if you do go there and you get that delicious sandwich, take a picture, Shoot us a text on or a tweet on Twitter, and we'll give you a, a like or a retweet or whatever yeah. the kids call it. That's actually what it's called. But so I, uh, I, I was there on a
1: non-game day, so I had the, uh, the pretzel and the wings. Both fantastic. Solid.
0: Yeah, somebody got the wings uh, last uh, Monday, and I was like, I may have to delve into that yeah. one day. They looked delicious. Yeah, they were, they were good wings, and that pretzel quality. I've I had I, that pretzel. I, it's I like solid. Good, I like a pretzel. Yeah, I introduced the uh, soft pretzel to Finley last week. No, oh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a mall pretzel. So you know, but that's how we all grew up. I, I feel cannot like believe
1: you let your child eat a
0: mall pretzel. That's sure. great news. I'm really yeah. glad to hear I that. I mean, Jill. she's not pumped full of only healthy things. She gets she. You underestimate the uh, stuff that she does get. It's just you have to uh, you have to you can't just let her eat candy. Every no, day. I, I get that yeah. the moderation piece, but yeah. uh, you know. Oh, I introduce I... her to the world. Don't you worry. Uh, One of my favorite things in life uh, growing up in Tallahassee, Florida, at uh, the Governor Square Mall, was going to the Philadelphian to get cheese fries and an Icy. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, You know, you mix up your flavor, a nice white cherry or, or a blue raspberry or a strawberry, but yeah, that was... Mm. too sweet. Yeah. I was very sad when the Philadelphian exited the uh the food court there because then it was gone and my dream and my life were dead. So it was like a Philly cheesesteak kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, but we just got the cheese fries. Sure. I didn't get the yeah. uh the Philly cheesesteak sandwich. But yeah, yeah, basically. Uh we liked it so much. Uh one of my longest, uh dearest friends, Brett, who lives in LA now, we tried to recreate the Philly the, the cheese fries. Mm-hmm. Um, about two or three years ago, his, his wife helped us out. Uh, we got some, we did some good stuff, but we just, you can't, you can't get it exactly as it was. Yeah. Unless
1: you have the deep fat fryer too. Yeah. Like you're never going to get the fries just yeah. right. Um, what, cheese sauces are, you can do a lot with a good, with a actually not even
0: a good cheese sauce, even a crappy cheese sauce is typically a, we had three different variations sauce. of the cheese sauce in our taste test. And I can't, I mean, it's been, it's been a couple years, so I can't remember where we settled, but it was fun had a good time nice yeah congratulations joe That's the kind of stuff you, you, i you do hold, in my free hold on time. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, introduce finley to cheese fries yeah. i bet finley's never eaten a cheese fry in her
0: life uh you know she i've tried she she's up and down on the cheese she she likes it one day and yeah, doesn't like I, it the I next could see that. she's four. and yeah, she's insane exactly. so yeah she's a kid yeah they change their mind every 4 seconds so mm-hmm. the food is a is always a challenge much like things are a challenge for the Blazers right now, Casey. Excellent, Joe. Uh, one and one since the break, obviously. And now I got to be honest. I I don't know that I'd say I sensed a lot of puffing of the chest, but there was a little bit of puffing of the chest. I know Whiteside had some fun post game, um, and I sensed. Uh, I don't. Maybe it was more of a sigh of relief from the fan base. But I did not leave last night's victory more confident about this team. If anything. I left uh, a little more concerned. That Pistons team is terrible. I I I don't know that the casual fan could name half of their starting lineup. Uh, Well, I guess their starters from from last night. No, yeah, they they could not. There are people on there that I hadn't even heard of as a person who covers the league, and so. It's a team that, uh, you know, obviously they've punted on the season and and they're in full rebuild mode and they've waived guys and guys are hurt and so forth and so on. And they were getting rolled by that team for a while. And there was a stretch, I think, where the Blazers got outscored something like 23 to three or 20 to three and. Obviously. I think it was
1: sixteen zero, and yeah, it was. I think it was twenty three to two at one
0: point. So it's just not not a good look. Now, the, I liked the way they start. They yeah. came out hunting for blood, and CJ came out uh, in the manner that I felt he should, which was getting himself involved, getting his teammates involved, but setting a tone from the beginning. Like Dame's not here, I'm going to come out and, and and get some business, do some business. But then they lost that relatively quickly, and then they had to, you know, rally and have a big, uh, big thing in the fourth, and they kind of escaped with a three-point win at home in a game they desperately need against a terrible team. I just, it's one of those where you're like, okay, taking care of business, you get a win. If it's a good team that's third in the West, you, you like, okay, they took care of business. But when you're a team that needs to make a statement against a bad team. And you don't, then it kind of just means you're a bad team in a way. And so, uh, again, I don't want to criticize a loss; they got a loss, but I didn't leave any more confident than I was about this team going going into it.
1: Yeah, I, I would completely agree, Joe. And I and I I would probably also was a, a little more concerned than I was, kind of buoyed by the Bledges winning that game. And you're right; I mean, they they won the game; they did what they had to do, but. That as you mentioned, that Pistons team is not very good. And granted, like they' I don't know if Dwayne Casey is like trying to send a message or if or what they're doing necessarily personnel wise. I mean, they're they're bringing their best players outside of Derrick Rose off the bench. At least they did versus the Blazers. Uh, Christian Wood, who scored 26 points, probably should be starting. Langston Galloway, I'm surprised he's not starting. Uh, Bruce Brown, another guy. I th- those guys are are starters on the Pistons. So that that's that's kind of a, a just a weird wrinkle in that game. But outside of Damian and CJ and Hassan, the Blazers really didn't have anything and I and I think that's kind of more and more what you're coming away from watching the Blazers, which is that if CJ doesn't have a great game, if Carmelo doesn't have a great game and if Hassan doesn't have an average to good game, the Blazers will not win without Damian Lillard. You look at their bench production, we talked about it last week as as one of the things that could make or break the Blazers, they had 10 points off the bench last night, and the run that the Pistons went on in the second quarter was almost entirely with Mm -hmm. the bench on. The Blazers do not have a secondary point guard on this team right now, period. Uh, Damian Lillard is the only point guard on this team when he's out, C.J., fills in and admirably. I, I think particularly the the way that CJ has has gotten the, the team involved and has distributed the ball, I think is a it's been a really a really great sign for CJ. Let's and, talk and,
0: about that real quick because one of my criticisms of CJ and uh I think oftentimes he does get uh disrespected or at least um uh, Lost in the shuffle of Dame's Mm -hmm. greatness, Uh, because and and I think finally game six or game seven against the the Nuggets last year, I think was certainly his moment. But one of the reasons, or one of my criticisms with him is, is he does get a lot of minutes without Dame in that backup role, and I feel like typically throughout his career he tends to shot hunt during that time. And, and, and he does a lot of one-on-one, a lot of uh, kind of what was the thing he had going on, the special victims unit. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the big thing where he put guys on skates and all that, and, and and that was fun. But it was also kind of reflective of what, I don't know if what is important to him, but what seemed important to him is is just, you know, Dame's out, so this is kind of my time. What I always wanted to see him in addition to that was cr- involve your teammates. You know, create scoring chances for your guys get a few assists in, instead of just shot hunting and that's what i really have liked uh his distribution in the last couple of games and especially last night he was getting a lot of really good and, and and quality looks for his teammates in addition to putting up his points um and and i think you know 12 assists career high i think that speaks to it and he had what 10 assists the night before i believe so yes. yeah so if if he can it could be a, a long, a longer-term positive out of this short-term negative is that if he can bottle that up and reveal more of that or unleash more of that moving forward, then I think it could be a good, good thing. The, my only thing about that, and, and I don't necessarily disagree, I just wonder, like, so when
1: Damien's off the floor, like, how— how is CJ best utilized? Because when Damien is on the floor, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, mm-hmm. and he's going to he's going score, and he's going to look for other guys, too. But, I mean, I would say at this point, Damien probably is more towards scoring than, than distributing. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So when you're playing CJ without Damien, and you're saying, like, what's the best way to maximize what CJ does best— I think there's an argument to be made that what CJ does best is score. So if you're putting him on there without Damien and then saying, hey, distribute, which is the thing that you kind of have to do when you're with Damien anyways because you're sharing that load, then I I could see an argument there for being like, well, actually you're kind of taking away the part of what CJ does best in order to pigeonhole him into a skill set that doesn't necessarily fit with what he's most comfortable doing. And and again, like I just think that's a – that's more of a debate than a this is right and this is wrong because I, I I think there's there's merits for for both and there it's undoubtedly a good thing when CJ
0: is able to distribute and to get other guys involved. Uh, coincidentally, Damian Lillard averaging a career high seven point nine assists this year. Yeah, I mean Damian's been great. Mm-hmm. I mean there
1: there's no two ways around it. This has been a career year for Damian, and uh, it's really unfortunate that it seems to be coinciding with the Blazers struggling to make the postseason, and, and we'll see if they do or not. But I, I guess I guess you could argue which one came first there. Is Damian playing this well because he knows he has to, or is Damian playing this well and the Blazers are just not doing uh, the other things they need to do to, to be successful?
0: The year that CJ uh, broke out and earned Most Improved Player, he not only averaged 20.8 points a game, but he averaged 4.3 assists. And he hasn't averaged over four since until now this year. And I'm guessing last two games have pushed him there. Sure. He's right at 4.0 a game. I know what you're saying, though. It's hard for for a guy who you want to get scoring out of to do that if he's worried about yeah. distributing. But you just would like to. And a lot of it has to do with the talent on the floor around you, too. There's you that. Too. I mean, if you're playing with starters, you're obviously more inclined to get more chances there. But, uh, or chances to create there but i just think there's got to be some happy medium with him and you know you do want to see him be more like the microwave and come in and and that's kind of a role when you're the main scorer uh, not that he's off the bench it's it's kind of weird just cuz he it's phrasing it he but plays with the bench though. yeah right 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 um i guess i guess i would just like to see him more capably Ba- have that balancing act of of when to score and when to assist and get guys involved because yeah. you do and, have and guys no, around And, I, you. I, and again, I, I think you're right
1: about that. It's just, I, to it's me, it's always, a, it's always a discussion of what extent. Though I think the game versus the Pistons is a really, is a really interesting kind of thought experiment with CJ because on one hand, you're right. Like, he did have 12 assists, but also, like, I think you get into the fourth quarter of that game and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, like, CJ's got to go out and score. Take over. Like, he, he like, it gets to a point particularly with this team right now where it's like look guys like playing basketball the right way would be great that would be awesome if the blazers were in a situation wherein they could play the style of basketball that under terry stotts when they're playing their absolute best is is very is very effective and beautiful to watch they're they they do not have that option right now like so if you're cj and you're in the fourth quarter and you're working on your man and you get to a spot you feel fairly comfortable with, but maybe you're you're getting guarded fairly close. Is it better for you to raise up and take a contested shot, or do you pass the ball to Gary Trent Jr. and hope that he hits a shot, or Nasir Little, or Anthony Simons, or Winion Gabriel? You know, like it at a certain point, it's like, look we we don't have the luxury of of playing team basketball. Like guys got to go out and get buckets. And the other part too is that while that worked last night. If Carmelo doesn't have his best at least scoring game in three seasons, they lose anyways. Mm-hmm. So like it and again, it just it just speaks to the overarching point that the Blazers right now are a team that are basically at the whim of whether or not a guy can have a great game that night. Or two. Yeah. Or two. Exactly. To your point, last night was two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, CJ had a fantastic game. I think you look at it from start to finish, maybe one of his better games, not just this season, but over the past couple seasons. Oh, for sure. And then you have Carmelo goes eleven to sixteen and five and nine from three, where before he had been struggling mightily from the field in February, basically. So and then you have Hassan come up in with his Typical double-double, makes a nice defensive play late in the game to to help the Blazers see lit. I think
0: CJ CJ scored 12 or 13 in a row at one point. Blazers points in a row. Yeah, no, I think from
1: from the end of the third quarter to, I think, like a minute or two into the fourth, I think he scored Portland's, I think he scored like nine straight for the Blazers. And again, and it was in that third quarter where they're down Mm ten to the Detroit Pistons. And I think if you're CJ, you get her back in the game, and you're just like, "Look, let's do it. I have to, I have to go out and do this because, like, we just don't, we have not shown any ability to play team basketball to the point where we can score consistently to beat any team in the NBA, let
0: alone the good teams. I guess, yeah. I think we both kind of agree. Because I do agree with you. When it gets down to, like, gets-go time, like, and, he needs to take again, over. And I think yeah. that's
1: what I'm saying, too, is it's like there's not like there's a right answer, you know? Yeah. Like, there's this idea, like, well, CJ needs to be more facilitator. Or, well, CJ is a scorer, so why would you take that away from it? Like, it's it's a... It just illustrates the point that there's no right answer. There's no one way to do it. Yes. Uh, CJ also uh, played 43 minutes last and night. And that, too. And I was going to mention that as well, that, like... I mean, not that he got twelve assists because he was he played forty-three minutes, but when you're playing almost the entirety of the game, and again, when you're when you're to the point now where I, I mentioned that the Blazers only really have one point guard. How many ball handlers do they have right now? Don't
0: even? look at your stat sheet. I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. What trailblazer had the worst plus minus last night?
1: I actually I'm pretty sure I know this because I had already looked at you already it because at it. I had heard some people talking about Season wide plus minus the other day it was at Anthony yeah
0: yeah minus twenty one yeah and now I'm not a big plus minus guy it's kind of not meaningless but more or less meaningless but that's 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 pretty reflective that's
1: basically that's Anthony playing the entire second quarter and the Blazers getting having
0: having three points through I think the first seven minutes of the second quarter. Yeah. Stotts, rightfully so really wrote his starters last night. No starter played fewer than thirty four minutes, and that was Trent. Most played thirty six or more. But that's I mean, your bench scored twelve point or ten and points. sweating it in play last night too, which I thought was a oh, little yeah. interesting. I you mean Terry what, was post game.
1: I mean and, and I, I, I get it from a matchup standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also too, like they're I mean they're just so thin that like you, I guess I'll say this, they won. So they whatever did, he did, they did win, yeah. And, and I, I think too, because so a guy like Christian Wood is again just the exact kind of guy that that Hassan has trouble with. Mobile guys who can shoot a little bit from distance. Hassan is just not cut out for those guys, and so you would think, well, maybe Caleb Swanigan is the guy to get set up. But I think they're actually looking to win in Gabriel now a little bit more
0: for stuff like that. And I think he had a couple of really with, nice with possessions a, last with a, night
1: with good reason.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I, it's again. I mean, it is what it is. It's hard to judge this team in general. Like, I've talked about this with a couple of people. Like, on the one hand, they're not a good team. But on the other hand, they don't have two of their most important players, and their entire season has been derailed by injuries. Well, now they don't have three of their most important players with Dame out. I mean, when you look at no Collins, no Nurkic, all four. Dame. Rodney. Rodney. Merkich, Thank Collins, you. I knew man. I was forgetting someone. So, yeah. So it's like, what What do you say? You know, you can't – it's hard to criticize them too much because they don't have their team. Um, but I think we can talk about what the reality of the situation right, is. And right. I
1: don't know if that necessarily is criticism as much as it's just an acceptance of the fact of that, the reality. like, yeah, yeah. They, they're just not very good. And, and again, like, my problem is they just don't seem like they're building towards anything right now. You know, like, it doesn't seem like there's there's a push coming. Like, I, I don't know what you would look at over the last – 3 weeks and say all right they're they're prime. Well,
0: I would have said going into the New Orleans Memphis Ex- back-to-back. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. if they had if they had split that and then, then Damien gets injured and then maybe
1: you maybe you pick up the one game versus the Pelicans that you lost after the break, then yeah, maybe you feel like you're like your like something is building. Like the progress is being
0: made, we're getting somewhere. I I just don't I just don't really have that feeling right now. I think uh, when you look at the season, when it's all said and done, uh, you're going to look a lot of what we talked about about the bench, because yeah. this has been an opportunity over again. Looking back two months from now, when we reflect, it's there were chances for the second for the backup guys to 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 get some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nasir Little, no one would have envisioned him playing at all this season. He's had. An extensive opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Same with Gary Trent, Uh, and I think you when you look back, when we look back in two months, we'll say, "Well, Gary Trent's much better than we thought, and he's he's a he's a piece, right?" Anthony Simons, not quite as good as hyped to be in October, but you you could still see him being a piece, and and obviously, okay, he's a twenty year old dude who's he's he's got some some work ahead of him, and so. You see those... And actually, Nasir, too, he's better than I thought he was. And his shot... He's making improvements. Just, I, and I that's really what I was going to say. Yeah. In just a short amount of time, when you look from summer league to now, his shot looks night and day better. Yeah, I, I think you...
1: Regardless of of what his stats are, regardless of how much he plays in the last two months of the season, I think you you come away from this ceil- season feeling pretty good about what Nasir did because I, I again like Nasir's a guy where like you can see the improvement just when he's on the practice court even. Like and a lot of times it's it can be a bit hard to to see like that growth, you know. with Nasir, it's it's not Clear. hard at all. And like it's it Ga- very Trent. obvious. Same and with, Gary, too. Yeah. I mean, I do think that Gary Gary started out slow. I I have always felt, and I've always been told by people in the organization that it's really more
0: of a, of an opportunity opportunity
1: situation. Yeah, you Gary.
0: were touting him in training camp.
1: Yeah, no, and, and because again, like guys say that he play that he plays well, and it's just you got to get the chance. And I think we see you cover the league for long enough too, and you you understand too that like a
0: lot of it is just opportunity. But get, the, I guess you know in the in the larger picture, question is are... How does this affect the franchise moving forward? Like, you know, there's still holes in in the forward spots, yes, the starting forward spots, and there's still, you know, the Whiteside saga and what. There's and still Car- a whole point guard too. I
1: mean, again, like they, right. they don't have a secondary point guard. The idea was that it would be Anfernee, and he's he's just not there yet. Right. You know, no, but and,
0: I guess when you look at next year, is he going to be ready? Right. right. And so, I, I
1: don't know that. I mean, after this season, I don't know that you can go into the next season saying like, saying no, we're that, just going to yeah. try it again. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, but it. it again particularly for a guy like Damian he's going to play a lot of minutes but you you can't have him out there playing 38 40 minutes a night and it would be it would be helpful if you had a backup a backup point yeah. guard that could go out there and run the show with the second unit because that's also where they're losing a lot of these points at is that they just no cohesion in that
0: second unit you do I just I guess I wonder because I'm still and I think you are too but I'm I'm still uh high on on Anthony as oh, a no, player no, yeah I think Anthony's is going to be a very nice player it's so, just
1: it's it was a lot to ask for this season.
0: and that's what I was going to say I wonder like you know in hindsight you're looking at a 20 year old kid who had this a lot of uh expectations placed on him and was guaranteed this role and the organization thought so highly of him It's sort of mostly unlike anything they've ever done, except for Dame. They put Dame out there in that situation. But traditionally, they kind of bring guys through a certain uh, pattern and they kind of broke the mold a little bit. I mean, I guess he did, you know, wait his turn for a full season, but you know, now after when it's all said and done, playing a full second season if he will be more ready. And I kind of am more inclined to think that he will. Oh, but you, I, no, I I'm certain of it. I I know
1: that he will continue to make improvements. I guess, I, I'm not concerned about that at but all. But
0: to your point, you wonder organizationally if they'll be like, "Yeah, we need to go get a backup point guard," or if no, Anthony's ready now that he's had this year of of grooming. He's 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 you know what I mean? It'll be yeah, interesting to no, see. totally.
1: I, I guess what I would say is that if you're going into next season and saying what you said at the beginning of this season, which is that we feel like we could be a Western Conference Finals team, I think you probably have to shore up your backup point guard. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can necessarily. So like this season, too, with Anthony, like if the Blazers came into this year and they were like, hey, we're going to try to make the playoffs. It's important to us. And not talking Western Conference Finals, like that's a that's a season for a guy to kind of learn on the fly at a difficult position. So to to go into this this season being like, hey, we're we could be a championship team, and our backup point guard has played one, really man. one NBA game. Like I, again, like that that could have gone one of two directions, and I think it it, it, went, it went the, the direction up. you would prefer it not to.
0: Okay, well let's see. Shall we get to some Walton the Rodents? Yeah, let's do it, Joe. All right. First up, from Ashlyn. Oh, again, we do solicit these questions on Twitter. You can follow Casey at Seahold. You can follow me at Blazer Freeman. I occasionally do get some questions, and Walton Roden's at my email address, too. Oh, hey. I I, I can be bad about remembering to because I get in the rut of, oh, yeah, i got to go through Twitter and pull this off. And so if I've ever missed your question, I do apologize. But you can also email it to me if you're not in the uh, social media world, which I can certainly understand that. Uh, but here we are. Nonetheless, first up from Ashland, Walton or Odin, Lamarcus Aldridge should have been on the list of 2000s players, and I think what he's referring to is is your guys' uh, de- all-decade team. I, I guess he wasn't included in in a list of possibilities yeah, for. Yeah. So I, I believe that I'm I'm going to own this because I think he should be on the 2010s all-decade. Jerry says he Agreed. was obviously drafted in what was it 06 I want to say I believe so yeah got his first year starting in 07 uh so that's three ish seasons there and then uh I think the majority of his NBA miles occurred in the 2010s so
1: yeah i mean it's not a it, there's not an art to it's it they had it's to an br- so science, like scottie yeah.
0: Pippen being in the, on the 90s
1: was that no? He was on the thousands team, but I mean, guys, there's there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Like, so basically, you just kind of had to. So, like Sabonis being on the '90s team rather than two thousands teams, like that. Right. That to me, I probably associate him. Well, it again, '95, like he was a rookie. It, yeah, and exactly. And I mean, they made that run in the late late '90s, so it's a uh, it's a little bit hard to figure. Yeah, I'm so, going to
0: own that though. I, I think he's two thousand tens. is appropriate for him.
1: Yeah. So the first three seasons of. Lamarcus's career were in the two thousands and then the one, two, three, four, five, six years were in the two thousand tens. And those were the seasons that he had his all star appearances. Those are the seasons where the Blazers actually advanced in the playoffs. So I think it I, I think maybe you, you take the slice in time where they were their best and then you put them into that decade. But again, that's So what's, it's what's your answer? My answer is
0: that no, I think he, no, he belongs is it to two thousand tens. So Odin. Odin. Okay. There we go. Next up, from Tyler Erke. Walton or Odin? Carmelo scores at least 30 points in a game again this season. Got 24 games to do it. Just had his first 30-point game in three years. Odin. Odin.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I don't think that they will probably play a team worse than the Pistons, again, without Damien. Right. So that that lessens the chances of that happening. And, I mean, when you only do something once over the course of three years, you can typically assume that you might not do it again right away.
0: Yeah. I, assuming that Dame comes back, I'm inclined to agree with you. And also, you at some point, Nurkic and Collins are going to come back too. So that murkies the waters even more. So. Sure. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd own it. I think statistically, if we get the uh, analytics guys in here, they would— they would say Yoden. I'll
1: say this. I mean, if Camaro was able to put up 30 points a couple more times when Damian's out, the Blazers actually have a chance to, to get a few more of these
0: games with Damian out. If he doesn't, though, uh, it gets a little more difficult. Next up from Rhythm Walton Roden Trevor Ariza is happy in Portland. Interesting question. He's only been here for like a, two weeks. Three weeks?
1: Uh, I mean, if you take out the All Star break, then yeah, it's probably been. I
0: mean, it's been February, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, so. it's been less than a month. Yeah. I, I don't know that we can really answer this either way. To be honest with you, I, he I doesn't seem unhappy. Yeah. I think he's glad he's starting as opposed to
1: coming off the bench, <laughs> uh, which is, was the case in in Sacramento. Uh, but I, yeah, I haven't I haven't got really a whole lot of opportunity to talk to Trevor yet.
0: Yeah, I can't really answer. Honestly, I, I don't I don't know the answer to this question, but I would be inclined to say Walton because I don't think he's unhappy.
1: Yeah, I, I'd Walton. I,
0: I don't have any reason to believe he's he's upset. I find that most people who leave the Sacramento Kings organization for any organization tend to be happier. That's just the, the history of the last 13 years from my experience has, has led me to believe so. Okay, next up from Ryan A. DiLorenzo. Dil CJ, would obviously be an All-Star if he were in the East. Walton or Odin, he would start. Personally, I feel like if he and Ben Simmons swapped, I'm not for this for the record, he could average 25 points and 7 assists as the point guard in Philly. I guess that's just as an aside. Uh, I'm not going to Odin him as an East starter, or I'm not going to Walton him as an East starter in the All-Star game.
1: Yeah, I I mean, Dame isn't
0: an All-Star starter in any league, and he's... A top five NBA player. Yeah, but I mean,
1: if Damian was in the East, he would definitely he would absolutely be a starter. Yeah. Well, but starters are based off of votes too. So like that's that's completely. So if he plays for the Knicks
0: or the Celtics, maybe or the
1: well, I mean, maybe Kemba Walker starting. He plays for the Celtics. Was he
0: an All Star starter? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It depends on what team he plays. If he's in the East for Detroit, no, he's not an All Star game starter. Are we talking about CJ? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, own it. I yeah, don't... I would own it too. I I think CJ would be an All Star. I
1: I think starter is is maybe a just a a, a tick too high.
0: Yeah. Okay. A lot of that is again, it's a a combination of fan, media, and yeah. player votes.
1: I mean, I, I'll say this: I don't think that either Trey Young or or Kimba Walker, from a talent standpoint, should be All Star starters. But you know, that was the breaks.
0: Yeah. I don't. I don't even know who the who the Eastern Conference All Stars were. Uh well again the starters were Kemba Trey Young Trey Young was a starter was a starter yeah wow yeah wow yeah here we go Kyle Lowry Lowry Simmons Jimmy Butler those are the o Tatum yeah oh Sabonis made his first All Star yeah good for him yeah I He's mean a they, good they, player. they got they got they have talent over there their guard talent though is not not what it is in the West yeah well just generally speaking the talent is yeah but you're right. It's like we were talking about last time, it's all top heavy. The West is kind of like that now, too, though. Oh, absolutely. Okay, next up from Nasir Sezen Waltner Odin. Nasir will be the starting three when the season starts next season, and Rodney Hood is still out. I changed this from a question to a Waltner Odin. Okay. Uh, Odin. Odin, uh, I agree. Nasir will not be a starter next season. Uh, if the Blazers are fully healthy this season, he's not even playing right now. So Correct. he has not done enough. Well, he's shown signs of being a good player. He's not done enough to warrant a starting job next season or to give anyone confidence that he's ready to start next season. Completely agree. Next up from Damian Lillard, Priscilla flag of Brazil. Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins will share the floor this season. Walton or Odin? I also changed this from a question to a Walton or Odin.
1: And, 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 and a good
0: transition there, Joe. I will Odin that. You don't think they're going to play together this season? I'm yeah. going to Walton that. No. I think they do play together this season. I See? hope so. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to own it. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I guess that that's going towards the uh, one of them isn't going to play this season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is, uh, I'm starting more and more to or to, think to it. feel that way. Which Which one? Are you going to leave it Mr. Mis- mis- I would mis- say mis- Collins.
1: Collins. Yeah. Though, uh, again, uh, you, you also figure what, I mean, we already talked about it, but we don't know exactly what Nurkic is doing. But we already know he had the one setback. You figure if he has another at that point, they're like, okay. scrap it's, it. It's, it's not happening. And, um, I mean, who's to say that's happening? But, again, uh, to, to get both guys who have not played yet this season to play at the same time, I'm just going to Odin that. All right. You should not Odin uh, any opportunity, however, to go to Tough Luck on Northeast Deacom, where for every single Blazer game, from the opening tip-off to the final buzzer, you can get the Rip City Red Hot Chicken Sandwich. Tss. Thanks, sorry Trump. I was cracking my neck you actually should have just done the neck crack into the
0: oh yeah a little yeah. sound yeah, effect gotta, yeah. my my uh, my
1: neck slash hand cracks Ooh, ah, well, wow I, usually I can get a full like yeah the, yeah like the whole uh the whole sequence
0: boy I tell you uh total tangent T- tangent during an ad read that's yeah. a that's a new one uh I hurt jacked up my back a couple weeks ago and I have not been right since it's hard work getting an old man like Dude, I was uh, yeah
1: it, I, I I loaded up uh, some. I, I got a half cord of wood uh, delivered the other day, and I I split it up between myself whew. and our sister in law, and I put some of it in the house. And yeah, my my quads and hamstrings the next day, like I, literally, like when I was standing up, like I had to like put a, I had like hold on to, to something else because I wasn't
0: stable enough to make sure that I wasn't going to fall you could over. topple over. Which yeah. yeah, no, once once uh once that forty hits, it's a— uh, I mean, I had Alana was like knuckling some knots out and they were like, there were multiple up in the neck and the shoulders down to my, my lower back. Finally, two weeks later, three weeks later is like, I think it might be okay. I might not have to go to the doctor. Like that's where we're at. I had to miss hoops once. It's terrible. My shoulder is now just
1: back to where it was before I got sick in Los Angeles and it also made my shoulder really messed Mm. up, which I don't know exactly what was going on there.
0: Maybe we should start taking better care of ourselves. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't work out at all. <laughs> I, I eat okay.
1: Like I get plenty of sleep. Uh, yeah. I don't drink too much. Um, but uh, I don't really do any exercise, so that's a problem. There's no exercise. at tough luck. There is not, and. Uh, Whatever ailments you might have, the Rip City Red Hot Sandwich will definitely cure them. It is a house-made—or it's—I should—excuse me. It's a buttermilk fried chicken sandwich with house-made Blazers hot sauce, which is fantastic. Blue cheese slaw, which gives it a nice little bite to go uh, with the heat. Uh, A lot lot of you uh, chicken wing devotees uh, are are messing with the blue cheese. And it fits very well with the Rip City Red Hot Sandwich. Uh, House pickles, which, again— Make your own pickles, folks. Uh, particularly restaurants, if you're serving pickles, put in a little work and make me a, make me a pickle and super spicy, if at all possible. But uh, you should be making your own pickles. Get the sweet pickles the heck out of here and aioli, which I get it without because I'm not big on the on the mayo and whatnot. But if you're going to have a sauce, aioli is okay. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's not as as grotesque as a uh, mm-hmm. straight up mayo. I'm I'm not going to the mat for aioli or anything, but you can mess with it. But you can get that Rip City Red Hot Chicken Sandwich deal with any micro-brew or micro-beer for just $10 every single Blazers game, final buzzer, maybe even a little bit after that, preseason, playoffs, if it's on TV, it's at Tough Luck, and the Rip City Red Hot Sandwich is on
0: and popping. You're only guaranteed twenty four more chances for this folks. That's so true. You, so you might want well this year. So you might wanna you might want to get out there sooner than later.
1: And it, it typically goes through a little bit of a change every off season. Indeed. too so uh you know if, if you're really a, a fan of the 2019 twenty
0: Rip City Red Hot sandwich, uh don't
1: don't waste time uh, appreciating it.
0: And we appreciate your questions, which we will get to right now. As always you can uh we solicit them on Twitter where you can follow us at Seahold for Casey, at Blazer Freeman for me. First up for AMG by UPG. My question is, uh, by the way, he said some very kind things uh, to us about a uh, big blazer. Here we go. You guys are doing an amazing job. As a former Oregonian and a big blazer fan living in San Diego, it's hard to get my blazer content fixed, but you guys nail it. Keep it up. Uh, thank you. That's very kind of you. That is right. I saw that one, too. That was very nice. Uh, question, though. Melo had an amazing performance last night. He's talked about retiring as a blazer. How genuine do you think that is? I wouldn't say it's disingenuous. Uh, I'm not sure about the how realistic it is, uh, both from what both parties will want. I think we've talked about this before. In fact, I know we have. And this is just my take on the matter. I think if Carmelo is guaranteed a starting job somewhere in the league uh, on a pretty good team, I think that would be his first preference. And I don't think he's going to be guaranteed a starting job on this team next year. I think that was a big—I know that was the selling point for this beyond playing with Dame and CJ and a team that was projected to be much better. Uh, As we've said in the past, it's not like this guy didn't get any offers over the last year, year and a half. People knocked on his door. He didn't see himself coming off the bench, I think. Now, I don't know if his his mindset has changed that— he likes the Blazers enough, and he appreciates the opportunity they gave him, and he likes living here and all that stuff. I haven't talked to him about it. If if that swayed his opinion to be, you know what, it's a twilight of my career. I'm okay with coming off the bench. If he doesn't have that mindset, which I, I'm i not sure that he does, then I don't see him coming back next year because I think he, he wants to be a starter and he wants a bigger role. So, And I don't think next year under a team that presumably will – Will again have high expectations if that's if that's how they envision their lineup being. So yeah, I, I think you're I think you're spot on, Joe. I I think Carmelo wants to keep playing. I think that's
1: Carmelo's main concern, and I, I think he would be completely amenable to staying in Portland. But just like you said, I, I think if someone were to offer him a different opportunity and were to guarantee a starting spot, because again, Joe, you're exactly right. Like they. They want Zach Collins to start at power forward for this team. They haven't had a chance to have Collins and Nurkic together in that lineup. They've been jonesing for it. They're not going to jettison that to give 37-year-old Carmelo Anthony a starting power forward spot. That's that's not going to happen. So I, I am curious to see how that plays out. I mean, Carmelo had said before signing with the Blazers that he was open to coming off the bench. I mean, and he had said that... All that stuff about him saying he wouldn't was incorrect, and that he he would, but he also <laughs> was told he would be starting for the Portland Trailblazers. So again, until it actually happens, I, I'm a bit loath to say that that it would work. I mean, but you you also figure too, like if you want to keep playing, you you have to come off the bench at some point, right? right I mean, right. like you can't be a starter into your last day. I mean, I guess I guess a very Jordan? small all
0: people could well did he come off the bench i have a hard time seeing jordan come off the bench yeah i mean those wizards
1: days they were who, terrible. who knows yeah. but but also too i mean but i i think mj probably stepped away when he probably could have kept playing but i mean again long story short is like everyone has to
0: has to deal with time eventually and By the it's way, whether
1: or not you're willing to to do it or not sorry to
0: cut you off no please uh, do jordan's last 3 years uh, with the bulls he started and played all 82 games His last two seasons, or his only two seasons with the Wizards, his final NBA season, he played 82 games, 67 starts. So he did come off the bench a few times. Yeah. There you go. Boy, those wizard years. I did get to see him in uh, in the Moda Center wearing, well, then it was a Rose Garden, wearing that uh, Wizards jersey. So there you go. Uh, Memories. (laughs) Memories. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, Adam Nakamura asked a similar question about uh, Carmelo, but I think we answered it. Next up, from Tyler Lee, Peter Dineen. What's your theory on why Portland has always been a more prominent victim of injuries in the league? Bad luck. Yeah, and also, and I, I don't necessarily know yeah, that they are worse than any other. I mean, the Pelicans have had a barrage of injuries in recent years. Um, it does ha- seem like the Blazers have fits and starts, where like they'll go for... A season, season and a half, almost
1: two seasons, where they don't have hardly any serious injuries. That was the case... Uh, a few seasons back. Year, I think the last Plumlee year, like, they basically didn't lose any time to injuries.
0: Yeah, and the year that Dame hit the shot against Houston, mm-hmm. four of five starters started and played in all 82 games right. that year. Yeah. Which so, is incredible. So there's that, and then there's
1: the situation they're in now, wherein everyone seems to get injured at the drop of a hat. So I, it does seem like they have more injuries that all come at the same time. I don't think necessarily, or I don't know necessarily that they actually have more injuries than than other teams do. It's just I, I also think it's kind of in the the kind of consciousness, <laughs> the, the consciousness of Trailblazer fans to really be have a heightened kind of concern about How injuries. Can you not yeah, yeah. which I, again, like I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, I I think part of it is a is being somewhat conditioned just by. Living in Portland and and feeling like uh, Blazers are always the the team that kind of takes it on the chin in terms of injuries, so I, I think there's a there's a there's a couple things going on.
0: there. I will also say too, outside of the the lower back uh, epidemic that we had with the back spasms going on, the nature of all these injuries have been almost completely different. You've got a shoulder, you've got a groin, you've got a snapped leg, you've got a. Um, uh, an Achilles. Like, it's just a lot of difference. It's not like they're all knees or they're all so you can pinpoint, well, something's not right here. It's just a lot of fluke stuff. Okay, carrying on to Chris Tybee. Hopefully I pronounced that right, Chris. I apologize. CJ's declining free throw percentage seems like the most swept under the rug thing about his career. That's a bold statement, Chris. I feel like we've talked about CJ being kind of a weird free throw shooter before. Like, I... I, I I'm cognizant of that. Yeah. Well, he wants to know, has anyone within the organization brought this up as something he's working through? No one's out there talking about him working on his free throws except for him. He's talked about it. Uh, now, I will say this. I may have closed his stats. Well,
1: and the other part, too, was CJ started <clears throat> his career as a bad free throw shooter. Correct. His first two years in the league. It was did play a, a lot. Yeah. But, like, he shot 67 and 70% from...
0: from the free throw line. He's at 75% this year, which, again, for a guy like CJ is bad. He shot 91% in sixteen seventeen, Might have led the league that year. 83-6, 82-8 in the two seasons that follow, and he's down to 75 this year. It's an interesting question because uh, it, it is a lot of variance for
1: a guy who you would just assume would be a phenomenal free throw shooter. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. Uh, as far as like the question about the organization, I mean, I'm Sure, that there have been discussions about it. I mean, I, don't I think, think he—I don't think they're
0: probably harping on it a whole lot because I, I guarantee that wouldn't help. But I think Chris is asking if has anyone brought it up pub like to us, or if, if you know in in the casual conversation, no one's brought it up to me. There, there have been stories written about CJ's free throw shooting, though. I recall mm-hmm. them specifically,
1: and, and again, in and the notion being that why isn't CJ a better free throw shooter? Because even because again, like even it, he shot eighty three percent last year and the year before that, like. You would figure CJ is like an eighty-six to ninety guy. Like again, like everything about him screams this guy should be a really good free throw shooter, and he's he's just not for some reason. Okay, next up from Scott Roberts is Nurkic really practicing? I don't believe so. I don't know. The were it not for the Twitter post, I would say he is not practicing. Uh, And again, like uh, practicing is kind of a what are you talking about? Is being on the court practicing, he's not practicing with the team right now, I can tell you that. He's not going through five-on-five workouts with the team doing whatever it is they have to be doing right now. They've done H&P days for the last two days, so I don't know that they're practicing a whole lot right now either, but I'm all but certain that Nurkic is not going through workouts.
0: Okay, next up from Kyle Motorhawk. Has the emergence of Gary Trent Jr. hurt the confidence of Anthony Simons the second half of this season so far? What will it take to get them both to produce together off the bench? Uh, My answer to the first question is no, and my answer to the second question is time. Uh, They're both young players, especially Simons. Uh, Well, I I think... I think Gary's only like three months older than. Anthony. Oh yeah, you're right. They yeah, are I mean, the same and, age. you're and right. You're Gary right. Gary went to Duke, so you know that, you, you yeah, get yeah. that experience. Experience-wise, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you've seen Trent emerge on a different timeline than Anthony. Um You know, I wonder back when Anthony scored a billion points in that season finale last year, I wonder what Gary Trent's line was. I bet it was pretty good. I think it was well, only five good. six guys played, yeah. so it had to be pretty good. But anyway, that's an aside. Um, Time. I think time and opportunity, and you're seeing opportunity now. And I just think it's going to take time before they're both ready to be every day. I mean, consistent where you think they could be to reach their potential producers. That was long winded. And again,
1: and this season has been tough
0: in that there hasn't
1: really ever been a time where, I'm not saying relax, but like there hasn't been a, a stretch of the season where the Blazers didn't have to win. You know, and like so, there hasn't been an opportunity for guys to just play through mistakes. Other than there's no one behind me to come in to play, anyways. So I'm just gonna have to figure this thing out. Like there hasn't been a chance, particularly for young guys like Anfernee and Gary, to to go out there and play extended stretches with other good players and go through some of the growing pains that young players invariably go through. They've been playing with patchwork lineups the entire time. Guys, uh, to your earlier point, Joe, guys who weren't expected to play playing significant minutes. And it's hard, I think, to to kind of make strides when you're also playing with guys who've never really played before. So you got Anfernee playing with Scala Bezier, who who hasn't played a whole lot of minutes, with Nasir Little, who's playing his first NBA minutes, period. Uh, Kent Bazemore, who you haven't played with before. Tolliver, you haven't played with before. There just hasn't been that that opportunity to have the kind of consistent roster cohesion this season to really put together any kind of stretch where you feel like you can make progress. It's like, we got to go out and score points to win games. And that's, that's our only charge right now. And, uh, that's not, that's not the best situation to put young
0: players in, in terms of, of growth and maturation. Gary Trent scored 19 points in that game against the Sacramento Kings last year, by the way, what did Scal have in that game? Uh, 29. yeah it was gonna 29 say. I feel to like 15 had a, really had a, yeah. a big game too what player led the team in steals that game I'll name the six players who played okay Scal Jake Lehman, Myers Gary Trent Jr Anthony Simons and Zach Collins I think Myers only played very sparingly in that played game, played 42 too. minutes oh he played 42. I yeah. feel like there was one Collins. other player one Collins other guy played who only 13 p- minutes. okay
1: that's what it was it was it was Zach I will say uh I'll say Jake Scowl.
0: Hey. Two steals. They only had five, but still. Oh, they- it was only two steals. That's not a fair question. Yeah, you know sure it is. I thought it was going to be like four or five. No, no, no. It's not that interesting. Okay, next up from Cameron, middle-aged Wasteland Dobbler. <laughs> what is your theory or thoughts about Anthony Simon's development? He doesn't seem nearly as ready to play as I thought he would be earlier in the season. Well, the reason you thought that was because of that game I just mentioned and the organization's loud trumpeting him being such a fantastic Again, player. we talked about it. There must have been like
1: four Anthony Simons' on-deck stories written <clears throat> in, during the offseason last year,
0: which made me um, uh, made me a bit nervous. I feel like, if anything, this season has taught everybody in this organization. Next year, they're not coming out talking about going to the NBA Finals. Yeah, let's just, and they're not talking about touting but, guys being this or that. This organization at least through my 13 years covering them does its best when expectations are at its lowest like it's especially under Terry Stotts and Neal that second year when they went to the second round nobody thought they were going to do anything last year nobody thought they were going to. i mean they were there was talk about breaking up Dame and CJ and all that stuff after getting getting rolled by the pelicans so i think from an organizational standpoint there's going to be less trumpeting uh, yeah i don't year.
1: know that <laughs> i don't know that you could say that like anything that has happened this season is due to that but i agree i would stick with what has worked before which is being contrite and not necessarily always saying like oh we're the scrappy underdog but
0: but doing the work and letting the work speak for itself uh, but as far as our theory as to uh, his del, I, I don't have a problem with his develop I, I see a lot of people are kind of crushing him. Yeah, or not no, crushing I don't him, have a problem with it either. I, I mean, think it's, it's compared to what the expectations—I think there were inflated expectations for him. Yes. And I think we all— uh, we are enamored with his ability. Uh, we saw what he's capable of in that Kings game, and we've seen it other times during his career, uh, very brief career this season. Uh, but I just think it takes time. My, my man is 20, or he's, I think he's 20. He's not 21 yet. He he's 20. 20, yeah. He's, yeah. And so he didn't play college basketball. He didn't play last year, hardly at all. And so I just think we... we Everybody got a little ahead of the ahead of the game here with him, and and I still think he's going to be a really good player. I just think it just takes takes time more time. Everybody's not Dame. No, Dame showed up and was dominant from literally from game one. Most guys are not like that. Yeah. Um, After leading a team for three seasons at Weber col- State, correct. you know, like and that
1: that's not for nothing. While maybe the the competition isn't the same, like putting it on your shoulders and being the man on a team that that carries over to. From league to league, from station to station. Like, that's a, that has, that has some value to it. And and again, with Anthony, too, like, I think part of it is that, you know, it's just been a little slower than, than I think the super inflated hopes were. And again, I, I don't think you can also take away the fact that look who Anthony Simons is playing with. There's no one in that bench unit. Basically, for this entire season, to take any pressure off of the guy who's going to get the most
0: attention from the defense. And that, for the most part, in that bench unit is Anthony Simons. Yeah, that's a good point. If he played around a more seasoned and and talented group uh, beginning to end, he would probably be. If the Blazers had their whole. If they hadn't been wrecked by injuries, if, you know, Kent
1: Bazemore is coming off the bench playing with Anthony Simons rather than starting at the three, if Zach Collins is playing some minutes with the second unit at five and at four, maybe we're talking about a completely different thing. But as of right now, it's those guys just aren't out there.
0: Okay, next up from Ryan Robertson. Would you rather see the Blazers barely squeak into the playoffs or miss them in 10th place and get a solid player in the draft? Well, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about this. Uh, I respect the organization's uh, adherence to trying to get in the playoffs, and it's a, it's a thing that... The coaching staff and the organization and certainly Dame and CJ value highly, what is it, six years in a row or mm-hmm. something like that. But I think it's better for the long-term health of the franchise that they don't make the playoffs and they uh, you know, get a high, as high a draft pick as possible. No matter how slim the chances are for getting a lottery pick, a top three pick, uh, you at least have a chance if you're in the lottery. And that Greg Oden draft didn't work out, but you weren't supposed to get the first pick in that draft either. So uh, I'd like to see them get a, a higher pick next year than than getting swept in the first round of the playoffs.
1: If you're asking me, would I rather the Blazers get ninth or tenth place? Then no, I'd rather make the playoffs. If His
0: exact question was tenth,
1: tenth, I, I I would say it's still at tenth. I I would rather than make the playoffs, and particularly between this draft and what you get at that range in the draft, I I still think I'd rather have the team go for the playoffs. If you're talking about everything after that, then uh, yeah, I, I I think that's that's more of a legitimate discussion about the quality of a player, or at least the quality of the asset you might be able to get. It's Uh, funny, you you brought uh, this this up. I mean, again, we've talked about this, I would say it, guys always pop in every draft, but man. College basketball's bad. I couldn't point to you a single guy where I was like, oh yeah, this guy is for sure.
0: Uh, You mentioned this earlier, the Blazers are closer to the to the Suns than yeah. they are to the Grizzlies. And,
1: so. and, and if it gets to that point,
0: yeah, absolutely. If they if they go on this trip, lose all three games, the Suns
1: win three games, and they bounce in front of the Blazers, and then you have the Pelicans and the Grizzlies and potentially the Spurs, yeah, at that point, let it go.
0: Okay, next up from TVM, is there any chance Whiteside could be a motivated and effective backup center behind Yusuf Nurkic next season? There's a chance. I think it's like a dumb and dumber, uh, You see, so you're saying there's a chance kind of chance. Uh, I think Whiteside rightfully views himself as a starting NBA center. Sure. And I don't think he wants to be a backup center. And I think he knows that he could go to any variety of teams next season and be a starting center. You know, we often talk, uh, it's, he's such a polarizing figure. Uh, we often talk about the organization standpoint with him or the fan standpoint for him or my uh, viewpoint of him. What is what is his view of things? And again, I think he rightfully views himself as a starting center. While it might be best, might be best for the organization that he is a backup center. Why would I don't know that in this point in his career, if 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 that's what he wants? Yeah, I mean, and
1: that's a very good point, Joe. And that he is still in the prime of his career, and he is coming off of a max contract, like. My man's earning twenty seven million exactly. This year. So, do you? I think it's you don't have to be a bad person to say, "Hey, I'm making twenty five million dollars this year, and starting." I don't necessarily want to make ten million dollars next year and come off the bench in my prime. Like again, like I don't think that that's that's not necessarily a knock on anyone. Like I, I think that's a legitimate thing. I mean, like you only have so many years in the NBA to play. You only have so many years to make money.
0: He's also, like, he's a very—stats are important to him. Like, he talks a lot about stats. And and when he sizes himself up to the rest of the league, it is almost universally stats-related. And so, from that standpoint, if he's coming off the bench and he's playing with uh, or behind Yusuf Nurkic, his stats are going to plummet. And so, I have a hard time seeing him— accept that role it certainly wasn't something he accepted in Miami he, he did not want or like that role and so based upon his history where he's at in his career and potentially what he could where he could be which I, I don't know a specific team but I I just don't see that happening personally and one last thing I would say too uh, Hassan just turned 30. this is probably
1: his last chance at a big contract now granted he already got one hell of a contract uh, but again you're in your prime You want to get paid as a player in your prime, though.
0: What if if the Blazers pay you whatever somebody else pays you? It's just you come off the bench. I I
1: think if in that situation, you're putting it on the player, and I think at that point, that's completely legitimate. If you say, hey, we will $20 a year, but you're coming off the bench, if you agree to that, then you cannot complain about coming off the bench. If you don't agree to that, then that's fine, too. But the idea being that, It's not necessarily incumbent upon Hassan to take less and to take a lesser role just because, you know, like that. That's all I'm saying is that I I understand why you, a player, would necessarily not want to do that at this stage in his or her career.
0: I just almost fell out of my chair when you said Hassan and 20 million a year. Well, I mean, he's making more than
1: that now. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and I'm just, just the notion that. If you're honest with a player about what their role is going to be, and they take the money at that point, then I mean you can grouse a bit, but like you don't really have a whole lot of cause to. It. Like I saw no, the I other guess, day. I guess what
0: I was saying is if they give him the money that he wants, and to be a backup, then what? what answering TVM's question, would he be okay under that scenario? Maybe. Yeah. And again, like I,
1: I, I think if you're if the money is right. Then I think it's there's more of a chance of that, I don't think it's, I don't think Hassan would take a vet minimum to be a starter, scoring 30 points and getting 15 rebounds at six blocks a game. I think the money still needs to be there.
0: Okay, we have a couple questions related to the uh, 2000s night. One from Crid, Quid Pro Bruh: How are you going to have a 2000s night and only get two former players that time? Definitely essential players to the area, but still. And then from Big Bad Bear: Why have so many of the decade nights had trouble getting definitive players? From the decade to come. It just seems Blazers keep whiffing on the big names. Drexler, Sheed, B-Roy, all no shows. Well, I guess generally speaking, I think that you should look at this in terms of what is reflective of is it's very hard to get former NBA players to come do anything. Yeah. And you just mentioned Rashid Wallace, if you think that Rashid Wallace is coming back to a Portland decade night, it, then you're insane. also he coaches high school basketball in North Carolina, so yeah. he probably has other obligations b roy uh same thing i don't he's clearly not ready to come back to be a part of something for the organization
1: well and quickhead said that it was potentially a scheduling conflict for him as well for the team that he oh, I don't know he yeah I mean I supposedly they're I think they're in the playoffs right now and mm. if and there was a chance that they would have to play on Sunday. I don't know that that happened, but that's at least what he had said.
0: My understanding was that Zach Randolph was supposed to be involved last I had night. Heard and, the same, and he there was some kind of late sec last second thing that that uh, that had him. I had heard that was also family basketball yeah. related. But it's like uh, Casey and I have talked about this before. The majority of NBA players, this isn't true for all of them. Some guys hang on forever and they want to be a part of the league until they die. Most or a lot of guys, man. When their career's done, they say peace, and they get out and they go live their lives. They've lived uh, at least 10 to 15 years away from their families, traveling all the time, being gone from their kids, missing event after event after event, and they want to go live their lives, and, and they are always reluctant to come back. And they have lives. There can potentially be conflicts. Uh, So while you view a night like a decade's night as this huge event because the organization is celebrating, you know, having this celebration, they might not care. It might conflict with something else they have that they care more about. Um, Now, I think it makes more sense with 70s and 80s and even 90s. That was a, it was a longer time ago, yeah, yeah. and so guys are more apt to come back to to be around some of their former teammates that they haven't seen in forever. But I know for a fact, like uh, Rashid Wallace, I did a story on Damon a, a couple weeks ago, Damon Sodemeyer, who was here last night, and he said those guys still talk all the time. They have a text string where they talk back and forth. They just got together, uh, I think, over the summer for to, to see each other. So it hasn't been that long since they they've seen each sure. other, and so. That's a little bit of it, too. But generally speaking, man, current NBA players are hard to lasso to get to do anything. And guys that leave the league are certainly hard to get together. Like, they have lives. It's not a priority for them. End of story. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. One, you have to set those dates before the season starts.
1: So it's not like you can say, well, Brandon Roy will be available on this day, so we're going to change the day of the decade night from this day to this day. Like, the planning that goes into those things is months and months in advance, so you're not very flexible, so that's an issue. Everything you just said is exactly true, Joe. It's hard to get players to do anything, <laughs> and particularly once they're out of the auspices of the franchise, then it gets really difficult, and there's they're not coming back to celebrate something specifically. You know, if, if they had won a championship, you get guys back to celebrate a championship. That's true, yeah. If it's just the decade night, like if you're a player, I think you look at that and say to yourself, well, I mean, if I can make it okay, but if I can't make it okay too, it's not exactly like Portland's the easiest place to get to. It's not difficult to get to, but if you're living on the East Coast, like are you going to take a 12-hour round trip to go to Portland for one night to – to do a decade night, I would hope so, but I, I think we're we're finding that that's not necessarily the case. And again, like you, you just have scheduling, you know, like and you also look at some of the guys that you figure like who should they have tried to get? They tried to get Zach, they tried to get Sabonis. There's no way Arvidas Sabonis is coming. There's no way Rasheed Wallace is coming. Bonzi, I, I'm I'm a bit surprised they, they weren't able to get Bonzi. I know he's out and about, but maybe he's got other things going on too. But then you start to get to Prisbylla. some of the other guys, and Prisbilla is another guy who there's zero chance whatsoever Joe Prisbilla is even taking your call, let alone showing up. Like, that dude's it's just like not driving happening.
0: a four wheeler around his vast property. I would say and, probably yeah. a snowmobile. Like yeah, now this time I, mean, I don't yeah, even yeah. know
1: if the, if you could get a. A
0: car to wherever it is that Jordan's <laughs> So
1: you know, it's just—I mean, it, it's been unfortunate, and I know that the the team had higher hopes, and um, and it would have been nice to get some of those guys back. The other issue too is that there's just not many holdovers on this team anymore. Like there's there's not a lot of people who were here when. Rashid was here, when Damon was here, when Zach was here, when, I mean, like, you just go on and on. Like, it's, there, there's just not a whole lot of legacy. The connection. Connections anymore, yeah. So when it comes down to, and that's basically what it takes. It takes a personal connection to get a player to show up for something like that. And
0: if you don't have it, it's pretty unlikely. Uh, from Rick Green, my question would be, who do you think we would have the best chance at winning in the first round if the Blazers got the eighth seed? Out of the top four teams in the West now. So that would be Lakers, Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Nuggets, Clippers Rockets. Rockets. Well, Rockets. That's an obvious. That's would be the best chance. Well, since the
1: Rockets and Jazz are tied at thirty six and twenty, I will consider them tied for
0: fourth, so I'll say the Utah Jazz. Okay. Uh, and then finally from David, what's the nate with the nature of the season being as it has been, what's been each of your favorite Trailblazers moments so far?
1: Hmm. Uh, Well, Damian going off a couple times. I would say that whatever that— The 61-point game against the Warriors in overtime? Yeah. But actually, I I mentioned this the other day to CJ's uh, journalism class that I spoke to before whatever game that was. Uh, I would say the Chicago game uh, in Chicago. Uh, Carmelo's first kind of big game as a Blazer. Uh, Lala showing up. Uh, went on the road in a city I like being in anyways like that for me was a that was that was a fun night i felt like i wrote a good story from it um so yeah i will say uh i will say at chicago
0: um i would say either the lakers game the the kobe night or or his 50 uh his 50 point outburst um against i believe it was the pacers at yeah. home that was a good one he, yeah he went for 50 cuz you know he had he had the 61 and then he had 47 at the loss against dallas and you're like this is going to stop at some nope he goes for a 50 piece. Uh if not those two, I would just say Carmelo's first game in New Orleans. Sure. The spectacle of it all, it's like you're watching this and you're like, "Holy bleep, that's Carmelo Anthony yeah. in a Blazers jersey on a basketball court." Like uh, in fact, I would say that would be uh my I don't know what, what how it was, my best memory or whatever the uh, uh, favorite memory would be, Carmelo joining this team, stepping in, watching him play in New Orleans, and going, oh, he's actually not terrible. Yeah, if I hadn't been
1: hunched over praying for death, I probably would have picked the Laker game in Los Angeles, but uh, the fact that I wasn't able to actually watch it. This that can't be a memory. Me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. actually a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, for exactly.
0: Awful. Well, hopefully, this is a good memory for you guys. This uh, this podcast, as always, uh, we thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, we wouldn't be doing it without you, because um, that's why we do it. So. Uh, we'll give you another one here soon. I assume next week. I don't know what the what's the schedule. Get, they're going out of town. Is there? Be back. Let's see. Next week. Yeah, we'll give you one next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, uh, enjoy the fun. Enjoy the ride. And we'll talk to you. Then. See you. No one's ready to deal with us.